Hello, and welcome to season two of Infinite Shelf, the human-centric retail podcast. I'm your host, Ingrid Millman Cordy. I am incredibly excited to bring you season two and really just endlessly grateful for the incredibly warm and encouraging support that we got during season one and after season one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This season, we are going to add a bit of a spin to the content. So you can expect the same caliber of incredible guests that we had in season one, including founders, CEOs, retail executives, award-winning agencies, and digital innovators. But while they are sitting down with me, we are going to live on the show, begin to workshop a problem or opportunity that the guest is going through or that frankly I'm going through as an operator myself. We will have open and sometimes vulnerable conversations that hopefully we can in the precious 30 to 45 minutes that we have together, try to reframe or resolve or optimize um, challenges that we're, let's face it, having right now or we'll struggle with somewhere down the line. Um, Topics that include scaling teams for rapidly growing businesses optimizing customer acquisition costs in a privacy-constrained world, and of course, how to grow brands on Amazon or Google without having to go broke with these crazy expensive search terms. If you haven't subscribed yet, now is a really good time to not miss an episode of season two. It is so good. In this first episode, we will sit down with Joe Fish, the CEO of Wine Access, and we have a really enlightening conversation about what it takes to reinvent evolve and then scale a direct-to-consumer wine business. We dive deeply into one of the most important topics that we have to solve as leaders, and that is our organization. How do we reshape our existing organizational structures to not only match where we are today, but where we want to be in three to five years from now? So you won't want to miss this. I'm really excited to have you back. Let's hit it. Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Cinder. E-commerce accounting can get really tricky really quickly. Cinder helps simplify your transaction ecosystem with their standalone all-in-one accounting platform. Visit snyder.com to learn more. Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Gorgeous, the number one e-commerce help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce brands. With Gorgeous, you can automate up to 20% of your commonly asked questions. Plus, it seamlessly integrates into your existing tech stack. Visit G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash Infinite Shelf for two months free. Infinite Shelf is brought to you by Shopware. Shopware is an open commerce platform built for brands to deliver the experience their customers need today and into the future. Learn more at shopware.com slash infinite shelf. Hello, I am here with Joe Fish, the CEO of Wine Access. Hi, Joe. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. Welcome. Um, So we have had some really, really interesting conversations that I'm really excited to to share with our audience here. Um, Why don't you go ahead and help us understand, you know, you, Joe, as a leader and a founder and, and a CEO, and um, also how 
how you've been able to lend your talents to Wine Access. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I came to Wine Access uh, about five years ago, um, and I my 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 route to kind of CEO uh, I always think of is not necessarily the most conventional. So of all things, I started in audit. So any like perspective, yeah. like audit people out there, like if you're trying to get out, there is hope at the at the end of uh, at the end of the tunnel. So I came in uh, about five years ago originally as as the VP of finance. And, and that's just kind of how I saw the world. So anytime I'm meeting with, you know, anyone on my team, it's always like, okay, like, how do you, like, how do you see the world? Is it through numbers? Is it, you know, through sounds? Is it through words? Is it through feelings? And um, have always tried to kind of guide people in, in, in that way. Uh, so when I came, when I came in, uh, it was, you know, it was a, a little luck in some sense. Uh, where the 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 former CEO was looking for, hey, we need someone who knows wine, which I knew a little bit of um, from from my early days in audit. We need someone who knows uh, e-commerce and had run a run a, a a corporate finance group, all of which I had done as previously at at Ghirardelli Chocolate Company. And I've always said, if I can't eat it or drink it, uh, I probably can't understand it. So I'd be terrible, and I'd be terrible in software. Uh, so I that's love awareness of yourself, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh that, that that brought me into that brought me into wine access about five years ago and and really started with 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 running the finance group there and then about four years ago uh there was a a, a change in leadership and, and moved into the moved into the seat of of ceo uh with the idea of uh, of being tasked with you know help, hopefully helping you know right the ship so we we had had we had had a couple of 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 missteps uh missteps along the way and it, it, there were we tried to do a lot in in a short period of time so we tried to have we did a rebrand uh we moved our 3PL provider uh we launched uh, a couple of new revenue streams that that didn't necessarily that that ended up really kind of cannibalizing our um, our, 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 our main one. And, and, and just to give a, bit, a little bit of background in the simplest sense, we sell wine on the internet. So, uh, whether it's via email marketing or traditional e-commerce or subscription at the time, it was a, it was a single, you know, single email marketing send of, uh, of one wine. And, uh, we, we had, we had tried to kind of tackle all of these big things, uh, big things at once. And it, it, it left the company without in a sense without direction of trying to do a million kind of different things mm-hmm. um, and and our performance suffered so as i'd mentioned we tried to rebrand uh we tried to launch all these different revenue streams and we really lost sight i think of one connecting with the customer and meeting them where they were um or where they are i should say and then two you know giving our giving our employee base and our and our team the right direction and leadership and alignment to, to, to really thrive. So mm. this was back in 2018 and, and myself and, and uh, our, our new management team kind of looked at, looked at each other and said, okay, like this, this isn't working. Like, what do we, <laughs> what do, what do we do to really kind of turn this around? And we said, okay, let's start, like, let's, let's scrap everything. Let's look at like, what makes us successful? What historically made us successful? And then also too in the future, what is gonna what what do we need to do? And we said, okay, you know, 
curation. We do that really well. We have best wine team. So we need, that needs to be at the forefront. We love content. Like we live for it. Every, every story needs to have a, uh, every wine that we send needs to have a 500,000 page narrative, uh, or page, excuse me, word narrative on it. Uh, you know, ensuring that, that the way we taste the wine is the same way that the consumer does in, in their own home and superior customer service. And we just said, okay, if we just keep beating the drum and we hit those same th- four things over and over and over again, we can be a really successful company again. So mm-hmm. we had, you know, in short, we had, we had lost our way. Um, and then, and then we had found it and, 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 and with really, with what I would say is you know, concentrating and being very, very focused, beating that same drum ended up you know, helping us write that ship and, 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 and turn it around. Uh, so my, my long winded, long winded story on kind of the, the, the short history of, of wine access, at least in the last five years and, and myself. Yeah. Um, and, and actually really inspiring. And I think that you've hit on so many themes that are, you know, we, we think about them and, and we talk about them, but to actually, put them into action and understand the actual benefit to whittling down and truly taking a look at everything that you do and finding what are the three things, it doesn't have to be three, but in your case, you mentioned three things that really are the the lifeblood of your brand. And your place in the market and how you're and how you're serving consumers. And when you mentioned sort of understanding that you're all about that curation, you're all about the content and you're all about that customer service, everything else that you build out from that core is in service to those things. And it seems incredibly simple when you put it in that, in the way that you just did so eloquently and, and, and um, short in, in a short way. I don't think that a lot of companies have that awareness around what are the three main things that are special? What's our, what's our special sauce? What's our thing? Um, and how do we make sure that everything that we do is, is surrounded by that? And then the connection to the customers, as well as leading your team to embody all of those principles is is really important. And if, if, if no one takes anything away from anything that we ever talk about, um, those fundamentals are, are so critical. So thank you for laying that out so effectively, just right off the bat. That's, that's so great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's one of these things where, uh, when, when, whenever we would talk with, with our board about it, we, we had one person who would always say, yeah, focus on the core, focus on the core, focus on the core. And it, it seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe sometimes it doesn't seem as fun as, as like chasing the other, the other exciting projects. But what's, what's fun is actually delivering amazing experience to our, to our customer and to our consumer. And that's a lot more fun than, than I think, you know, chasing some of these, the, these other opportunities. And that's not to say those don't come. They absolutely do. But I think really nailing down who we are, how to deliver on that core then allows us to be more successful when it, when it comes to, to, to launching new, new initiatives. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, just the awareness of when you are serving your core and when you are not serving your core, I think is, is, is an important distinction because 
every brand goes through this when it comes time to scale. And I'm sure, you know, having the finance background that you do, you know, you've seen this pain point time and time again, but serving the core is where a lot of our brands get to us, get to where we are. And now we're like, okay, so we either stay the same size and we continue servicing our core or, or we grow. Um, and I think that's where that inflection point happens where a lot of brands can so easily lose their way. Um, but it doesn't just because you're expanding out from your core, at least from my perspective, when you're expanding out from your core, it doesn't mean that you should forget about your core. It's just making decisions that are very, very lucid in the distinction between when you're serving your core and when you decide to step out from that and test and learn from another audience that could eventually become part of your core is, is sort of the way that I would approach that. What do you, what do you think about that perspective? Yeah, no, I think, I think it makes total, I think it makes total sense. Uh, you know, it, 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 it sparked in my mind one thing when, when we're thinking about maybe going, I won't say going outside of our core, so to say, but I think when we're looking at, you know, different demographics and, 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 and a new potential consumer, you know, we want to make sure that whoever that person is, they align with, with the values of what we're offering. So, 10 years ago, if you were to look at, look at our demographics, it typically was 55 year old, uh, male drinking Bordeaux cab. And that has been, that was kind of the, even during the turnaround, that was the, the drum that we were sort of beating. But if we were looking at, you know, what's, what's important to that consumer, you know, it's, it, it's all the things it's, it's, it's curation. It's making sure that it's superior customer service. It's, it's getting access to things uh, they wouldn't otherwise be able to. And that's, that is far from exclusive to just our typical 55 year old male customer. I think that they're across all, all sorts of demographics, whether it's, you know, whether we're talking matures down to millennials, like those are, those are different values that, that, that exist within, you know, each one of those groups from a psychographic standpoint. So then when, when we're looking at moving into a new market or marketing in a different way, we need to make sure that we're true and authentic to that because if we're not, I think the, the consumer nowadays is very, very smart and they're going to see right through it. So when we've, when we've expanded through whether it's either different partnerships or a different way in which we're buying wine, say via subscription versus a single email marketing send, um, we're very, very cognizant of that, of, of, of still delivering on that core customer uh, but, but being able to move into kind of these different, different markets, uh, and, and still being true to ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's a really helpful North star to have. And, and that's really, really clear laying that out. Thank you. Um, so, okay. So we're, you've done this incredible job, uh, of, rebranding, changing your 3PL, analyzing why you exist, how you are going to continue serving your core while also stepping out, you know, in a principled and values oriented way toward, toward introducing yourselves to new customers. Um, it seems like what you're doing now is a lot different than probably the company that you found five years ago when you first joined. And so what does running that day-to-day today look like? And what, what changes do you feel like need to be made that are going to set you up for the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, great question and something I think I probably think about daily. So when, when you know, came into 
came into role, uh, you know, newly minted CEO with, with the company, you know, we had shed 30, 40% of our customers, our, our, uh, our employees have had, are probably confused in, on what's actually happening. Um, right. and who are we? so I think coming into that, it really was kind of determining, like, we need to solve, we need to solve a couple of those questions. Um, and we need to do it fast. So it was, it was okay. What makes us special? So we answered those. It was, you know, why, like, why do we exist? And we said, okay, well, if, if we think about it, like let's, our, our mission is to connect people in place through wine and, and the, our purpose and the reason we exist is we make it easy for people to discover, enjoy the world's most inspiring wines. Mm-hmm. So we, it was really important to kind of lay out those two things, uh, so that the employees knew, like, what what were we doing? Are we just selling wine? Or are we selling an experience? Are we selling access? Like, what are those? So I think, like, just beating those two over and over and over and saying, this is exactly, like, what – this is exactly yeah. what we're going to do or at, at a high level, exactly mm-hmm. who are we? Um, and then the second would be – or I should say the other part of it is, like, what are going to be the strategies and tactics to get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had talked about this this earlier where I thought – Hey, I almost think a a turnaround might end up being easier than uh, than continued uh, continued kind of aligned growth in the sense that you're picking one activity, one or two activities, and you're trying to do it really, really well, and you're doing it over and over and over. It's almost like okay, just it, it's hit this drum to the same beat and and keep doing it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And presumably, if it's the right strategy over time, it will end up, it will end up working. Right. So, you figured out yeah. a formula and you just keep doing it. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and that I think works really well for, for, uh, for a turnaround because everyone's focused on that. And like, everyone's just like, this is just what I'm doing. And, and if you just continue to do it, you start to see like results coming out of it. And you're like, holy cow, like, this is amazing. Like we're, <laughs> we've now gone from negative growth to flat. We've now gone from flat to, you know, to, to steady growth. Now we've gone from steady to like amazing growth. So I think that made it easy in a sense. Um, I think there's plenty of other things that make it very hard from a turnaround perspective, but I think that made it very, very easy in a sense. So that's, that's what I had, I had walked into mm-hmm. and really the first couple years, you know, 2000, you know, let's say 2018, 2019 was solely focused on that. 2020 hits, uh, had, great so we had we had already kind of completed the turnaround and then we had these tailwinds of 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 covid happen and we had all these different opportunities so this was our time how do we expand share how do we kind of chase how do we chase everything down we're still uh you know we're still a we're still that turnaround company infrastructure but we need to build this infrastructure as well as take advantage of a lot of the tailwind opportunities and the question has been, okay, how do we put the infrastructure, the people, the process in place so that we can kind of truly scale because this growth is coming a lot faster than, than, we, than we, otherwise, we otherwise thought. We thought we had five years to get to this place and now actually we have five months. Cinder can help simplify your e-commerce transaction ecosystem with their standalone, all-in-one accounting platform. With more than 30 integrations available, visit synder.com and use EasyBooks for 40% off to get accurate and unified profit and loss reporting, easy reconciliation across all your e-commerce platforms, and so much more. 
That's S-Y-N-D-E-R.com and use the code EASYBOOKS for 40% off. We call it like the the hug of death right? <laughs> sometimes where it's like, it's a great thing and who, who wouldn't want that level of growth, but it could also be really, really difficult to scale so quickly. So, so yeah, tell me more about that. What, what did you do? How did you handle it? What was the first thing? What do you even, what's the first step you take? First, we're trying to, to get a, an idea of more or less, uh, more or less where are we going in terms of, of, of top line and what are quickly kind of back of the envelope napkin, back of the, back of the envelope, you know, yeah. on a napkin figuring out, okay, we think we're going to do pick a number 70% this year. Great. How many, how many customer service people are we going to need? Because we know that with every order that goes out, it's going to yeah. be 0.24 tickets per order. And, and it's kind of this linear sort of, uh, of calculations of quickly figuring out, okay, how many pe- just bodies, what do we need? But that's not going to, that's, that's not a super effective way to scale either because you're just adding kind of variable, variable costs to, to your infrastructure. So in the short term, it's don't lose market share right. or, or, or maintain it or, or, or grow it. So we're going to, you know, we're going to definitely put, put heads towards it. So you're, you're kind of changing your, your, your racing down, you're racing down the hill in, 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 in your, your Ferrari, though we're not, we're far from a Ferrari, you know, maybe closer to a Toyota Camry. And we're having to like change the wheels as we're sort of doing that. So it's, yep. it's keep the momentum going kind of forward. And then, you know, with, with the rest of the management team, it's then figuring out, okay, who, who are like those next kind of key hires? Who are five next key hires? Especially I think in that kind of middle, that middle management sort of director, director, manager level, who can then put us in a place to where they can effectively build out a team, whether we're talking your finance team or, or, or operations team uh, and, and, and help kind of pull, pull the management team who had been, I think, largely in a, in a, in a turnaround situation you're so much more in kind of the day to day. And now it's okay. How do we take a step back and how do, how do we really start to kind of build to take us from what I would say a small to medium sized company to a, to a much larger company. Right. Yeah. And, and, oh man, the, the analogy of, you know, having to rebuild your vehicle on your way up or down the hill is something that I think we all can very, very, um, very much relate to. And so it sounds like, where you're at now is we're sort of past the place I'm assuming. So I'm just, you know, tell me if I'm on the right track here. You're sort of past this place where this like crazy exponential growth is to a certain extent surprising and unplanned because who in the world could have planned for what happened to us in 2020 um, to now, okay, so we've gained this market share. We've gained all of these customers. We've hired on a bunch of people. Um, we still have a bit of our, of our staff from before days. <laughs> and, um, now we, we need to figure out what the future looks like, right? Is that sort of what you're grappling with these days of how do I now take this new structure? That's this hodgepodge of before, during, and now, um, and, and how do we set ourselves up for the future? Yep. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a fun one. Let's, let's work it out. Let's workshop it. Um, so thinking about 
the things that you, you know, the way I always approach this or, or start to is I take out the individual names um, from the roles because I think there's a lot of flexibility and also frankly, emotion that's connected to individual names. So that's like the first step. I take that out entirely because it allows me to be really, really rational in my thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean that everything ends up being rational, but I at least try to start there, right? (laughs) So let's be as rational as possible. And then um, just figure out structurally how you want to set up your business for success. And so one of the things that you had said when you were just walking us through the story is your customer service analogy. And I was really impressed that that was the first thing that you went to. And then you doubled down on taking a data-driven approach to doing that back of the envelope math on what type of customer service you're going to need going forward. And so clearly you're already mapping back to those three pillars that you had mentioned way back, which is curation and content and customer service. So that would sort of be the first place that I would start, right? Is that logical for you too? Is just like yeah, starting with that absolutely. customer service component? Yeah. I, I mean, the customer service, I, I like to work backwards because that's normally going to be the the place where the customer is, is is interacting. So I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. And so, you know, for me at least, if that is a key pillar, then you need a a key strategic leader in that in that space. Um, and if you're not if you're not hiring a key strategic leader in one of those pillars, I think you're losing an opportunity to just make sure that that's something that you're always 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 thinking about. Um, and I think customer service happens to be one of those parts of an organization that sometimes is incredibly um, you know like executionary focused, and you have maybe entry level or people who are just starting their careers that are just interfacing with customers day to day. Um, And I think a lot of times we tend to forget that those people need a visionary leader to be able to, you know, take advice from, learn from, get the tone of voice and all of that. So I think that's where at least I would start in a natural position where, where's your customer service organization and leadership at today? Yeah. So right now, we have a customer service uh, manager who we hired about a year ago who has really brought in, I think we got really, really lucky with her who's, who, who has been able to really bring in that sort of, um, you know, bo- both the, 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 the people, but then the, the, the quantitative, mm-hmm. uh, the, the quantitative tracking and measuring and, 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 and dashboarding. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's someone where we knew she was, we knew she was really great when we brought her in. I don't think we knew she was going to be th- like, like this good. So that's, she's turned it in from a, uh, from, from an organization, or I should say a department that has done, done well in the past. And we've always been known about that to kind of that, that, that next sort of, that next sort of level. And I think the, the pieces where, well, the, the pieces that will make that that area really strive is like how do we make the right kind of tech bets and 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 in in that particular space to really to really drive it to really drive it forward. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the awareness that you have around 
that person's contribution is is incredible. And I, I do hope that you you tell them that frequently um, and also pay them appropriately. <laughs> um, and the other piece is I wanted to make sure that that person, whether they you know officially sit on your leadership team or if they have access to your leadership team conversations on a regular basis, I think is also another important contribute you know point to to have in this in this new org. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she she reports into our our COO, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think fortunately this year we what we've really tried to kind of institute is really robust kind of OKRs and 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 planning for the year. Where in the past it used to just be. All right. Do whatever you do can do to get as much revenue as possible. Make sure we're keeping kind of the the the, the customer happy, um, but not 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 as as well spelled out. Uh, so we've we've been trying to institute more of 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 her presenting to the management team, to the leadership team, and, and, and really having her kind of own own the strategy behind it and we, we i think we just had a meeting it was either last week or the week before and did did absolutely phenomenal so i think that's that's the other pieces when we identify someone like this how do we continue to kind of help promote yeah you know strong growth um um with her or with with anyone else in that you know any anyone else that kind of fits that description gorgeous is the e-commerce help desk that turns your customer service into a profit center Powered by machine learning and automation, Gorgeous can help your brand turn visitors into shoppers, unlock sales through live chat, text, and social media, and increase your ad effectiveness by the equivalent of a 5% increase in ad spend. Gorgeous continues all of these communication channels through email, SMS, Instagram, DMs, live chat, phone, and more, all organized in one place. With this deep integration with your e-commerce store, you'll be able to quickly see all customer data, order history, and take actions right from your help desk. To learn more about why 8,000 customers, including Steve Madden, Princess Polly, and Marine Lair, use Gorgeous, go to G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash infinite shelf and get two months free today. Nobody knows your customers better than you do, so why limit yourself? Offer outstanding customer experiences with Shopware, a turnkey open commerce platform featuring the Rule Builder for powerful and fully customized customer journeys, the Flow Builder for no-code automation of complex business operations and everyday workflows, and Guided Selling to create interactive live video events straight from your Shopware website. Trust Shopware's open framework and powerful network to help you deliver the exceptional experiences your customers deserve now and into the future. Join tens of thousands of successful merchants worldwide. Find out more at shopware.com slash infinite shelf. For me, at least, that's all around having a voice and a seat at the table and also empowering them through creating an environment which they feel comfortable and have the sort of emotional security to be able to share what's actually going on. Because that person has a really unique perspective about what the voice of the consumer is. And in organizations that really differentiate through customer service, which it sounds like Wine Access is one of them, 
empowering that person is, is critically important because they are the embodiment and the voice of the consumer to the leadership team. So I think that should continue to permeate and, and lead all of your decisions or, or majority of your decisions. Um, one of the things that you had said, though, is that she reports into the COO. Can you tell me a little bit about that structure and how, how that happened? That's unique. Yeah. So the, so the way that we've, the way that we've set up our, our operation side, our COO oversees uh, supply chain. So, you know, fulfillment logistics mm-hmm. uh, oversees uh, uh, compliance and then also oversees the the customer service component mm-hmm. as well. So, it, in in a, in a previous life, uh, he he's he's run all of those as, as well as overseen all of those in in, in sort of different in in, in different structures. Yeah. Um, okay. And, yeah, and, and when I thought about like kind of number of direct reports, I kind of like to be around five to six, probably mm-hmm. for for a company of this size. Uh, and that that ended up falling into the place where we th- where we thought it, it it made the most sense. It had st- historically been there, and we had talked about do we move it into kind of like into customer experience, which sits with with marketing. Mm-hmm. Do we have it as its own standalone? Um, do I think over time it could potentially move in 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 into that? A- absolutely. I think for 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 where we were at with company size. You know, we we had put it we had put it there. Where where had uh where have you seen it in the past? Yeah, I mean, so the decision. So typically, I would assume it would be to your point earlier within the marketing organization, mostly because it should be sort of this like push and pull model of you know, putting messaging out there, creating content, and then hearing how that content is doing. And then in real time, optimizing the content to really sort of connect things. So that's like the one, one perspective there. Mm-hmm. The other perspective is in my, in my experience, the operational team has a very, very important role in sort of streamlining and optimizing costs, right? So they're, they're there to make sure that what you're doing, there's a um, reasonable price to how that's happening and keeping, you know, cost of goods sold and technology and all of those things in an um, pricing optimized model. Whereas the goals of customer service are around delighting your customers, hearing back from your customers, supporting them. And a lot, in my experience, I've had lots of misalignment with Mm -hmm. some operational leaders whose charter and understandably and rightfully so is around, you know, profit optimization. And those, those goals sometimes create a really healthy tension with marketing and customer experience because that's not always their north star. And so that was one of the things and you know just food for thought in terms of where that sits and how that could impact decision making. I do think that there may be a consideration for putting it under marketing at, at some point. Got it. Got it. Okay. No, I I I love this sort of stuff. I love uh, we we in our pre-call, you know, we had talked about how I've been just devouring different books on 
people mm-hmm. and organizational theory. So, uh, and and then also too when when you told me to pick up uh, uh, pick up Think Again by Adam Grant, oh. which I actually have sitting next to me now. I'm about halfway through uh, from when we talked last week. So, Did you love it? Or are you enjoying? Oh, it's, it? it's so good. I, it's one of the ones where it's like I don't. I don't want it to end. It's like when you're watching a really good TV show and you're coming up to the end of the end of the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the series finale and yeah. you start like slowing down yeah. so that you can kind of like enjoy it. You're like, okay, I'm going to cut this off a little bit earlier. That's kind of like where I'm, I'm running into this. And I, yeah. I, I can see that there have been more pages you know, read than, than are left. So uh, I'm really happy about it, but I'm also a little sad that it, that it may be coming to an end. So that's, yeah, it feels uh, like you're losing a friend, right? At the I end to- like totally. Yeah, I bet I very much empathize with that. I felt like that about that book, but and also the the Patty Smith Just Kids book. Mm-hmm. That book's amazing. Um, so yeah, I think you know again, it's just like food for thought. And we're talking organizationally. We're trying to workshop this. Like this is this is all just like for fun and and just ideas to to think again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shout out to Adam Grant. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, so down. Let's go. Let's go down the line. This is fun. Um, let's talk you know, the other principle that you laid out, which is a big brand differentiator for you, which is curation. Um, what, how does that come to life? So that sits under, I, and and then I also kind of think of curation in two senses. So in the, in, in the, the sense that we normally talk about it's sourcing, selecting the wines, but then I also think you have this kind of product website, e-commerce aspect of it, where you are, you know, literally put, curating and putting the wines and merchandising certain wines in front of people for certain different reasons. So we'll we'll kind of start with the sourcing piece. So right now, uh, for for sourcing, that sits under uh, our head of wine, and mm-hmm. under our head of wine, we have sourcing, and then we have content as well. So the actual writing of the offers, understanding. You know, what what goes into each wine? Why is it relevant? You know, I think this is one where there's a heavy collaboration also with marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think as you'll see, there's a lot under the marketing plate and, and where different things can kind of sit. So curation itself sits there, plus um, plus we do a number of events as well. So as as you'll see, our our management team wears uh, a lot of hats and we're we're a pretty lean organization is probably from my days at Ghirardelli, who's a, a, a lint company. So it's that like Swiss lean that has been kind of like built into me. Um, yeah, and, and I love it. I'm tough to, tough to pull out. <laughs> For good reason. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of lean. That's, I think it's just the, the best way to, best way to operate mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or can be one of, one of the best ways to operate. Uh, so in I so hear that Adam Grant in, the, in what you just said, by the way. Like, I should think about that, actually. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I love the awareness. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I keep finding myself doing that a lot. I'm like, God, am I not being confident and I keep second guessing myself? Or is this like actually a really smart path to, to, to go down? Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the ladder on this one. Yeah. So, yeah. So right now, I think you know, the the it's a really big job uh, itself, just global sourcing. If you think about the number of wines that, that are being sourced and from all of the different, the, the different places. Uh, yeah. and she's done a, a phenomenal job of representing our brand of, of really during, during the turnaround phase too, making sure that 
that our suppliers were happy with us. Cause as you can imagine, you go from, let's say that you're used to sell 200, 300 cases in, in a day for a particular winery, you lose 30, 40% of your customers. Well, now your volume drops by 30, 40%. Like your suppliers normally have that built into their, built into their plan. So she did a phenomenal right. job of kind of, 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 you know, Road, you know, doing the road shows, representing our brands, and 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 in doing that, we found that she had this phenomenal ability. And we always knew this of representing our brands in front of consumers and in in front of the the wine community at large. So I think the, mm-hmm. the one piece here is is that we found wow, there's also this other aspect that I think she does better than anyone else on the planet. And like, how do you kind of reconcile? Hey, we want to be the best at chasing every wine deal out there. But then there's also this massive benefit of of having her out in the world. The face of the brand. Being the face of the brand. Really, we actually have made her the face of the brand. And I think those two kind of tend to be in conflict. Because one is like you're behind you're like on the phones, behind your computer, like constantly like chasing, chasing deals. And then you have this other one, which it's very hard to do that if you're on the road. So I think that's where from a from a departmental responsibility standpoint is one that has this like sort of tension that we've been like trying to figure out how to how to how to do right um, right it sounds like she needs an assistant or two <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah we'll let her let her borrow what uh mine uh for it and and we've started to do that a little bit but i think I think it probably makes a lot more sense to um, really, really open that up. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's one of the roles as you're scaling that is a really natural place to promote people into yeah. um, because they'll have that history of your brand and, and where you came from and be able to speak to suppliers and partners in the way that you trust is going to to feel connected to to your legacy, and I think that that is yeah, that's definitely what I would do. And and I actually applaud you for observing the ability that you know this person had. Even a lot of times, here's what I'll say: a lot of times there are people who are exceptionally great at their jobs, and it sounds like this person was really great at, at the partnerships and navigating through a really complicated time. And in doing something so well that feels so unique to that person, a lot of times leaders will almost not intentionally, but they'll end up stifling that person into that position for the rest of time because they're so terrified of not having them work their magic there. And so I applaud you for being able to see that she's also capable and maybe can grow into more and more being this face of the brand. Um, But I think that that also requires some backfilling and some support on the things that she was able to, to lead through that difficult transition and not taking that away from her, but being able to have her um, train people up on how she did that other component of her job so that she can sort of spread her wings and also contribute to the brand in this new way. Yep. Yep. No, makes, makes complete sense. Uh, yeah. And it's, it, it, it's probably a little bit of that, uh, that, that Swiss 
uh, lean training where I'm like, <laughs> everyone can just totally do just everything on their own. Um, and they can, but yeah. they can't do everything super well, I yep, think is yep. the main difference. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just, you know, we're getting it. Let's, let's, let's do, do you feel, okay. So then curation in terms of the brand. So I guess in, you know, my world, I, I, I'm in CPG world. So that person used to sort of be like an innovation, frankly, like they're creating the product that you're selling, which ultimately is that curation. And now they're sort of moving into like a more marketing role. So how do you actually how do you handle the the content, <clears throat> excuse me, the content component of the curation and communication to your, to your customers? Yeah. So that, so that as it currently stands, sits under, under our head of wine. And we have a director of, we have a director of content who then has a number of copywriters who are pulling together pulling together the, the, the stories for every single one of the wines that go out. If we have any content marketing pieces, it sits in there with obviously with heavy, with heavy influence from, um, from marketing. If there are profiles that we're doing on different wine producers, that sits there, that sits there as well. So the, the, the content output, so to say, is really driven by what are the wines that we're bringing in, which the wine team are sourcing the wine team are coming up with, what are the relevant selling points? Why is this, why does, why do we care about this wine? Mm-hmm. And that ultimately gets kind of fed down into the, into the, into the content team who will then start producing different offers and different, different pieces. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing with this one is it's, it's, it's it, my understanding is throughout the history of wine access, it's kind of bounced around between uh, wine, between the wine team and between marketing. And it's, it, we, we're selling wine online. So at the end of the day, like it does become a marketing piece, but there is this, there's also this, such this specialized nature of wine in it's super confusing. There's all these different weird laws. Like it, it doesn't make sense. There's no, it, it takes a really long time. You really need a wine expert or master of wine or master mm-hmm. song to help you kind of different, differentiate these. And if, if the wine consumer's fickle, so if you say something wrong, like you know, you call a red burgundy, just pick anything else, some different varietal that's not Pinot Noir, like right. you would, I cannot tell you how many customer service would be, oh yeah, would be flooded with calls. You just get so much. Like it's 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 just this it's this, it's a group of like f- of amazing but fickle consumers because I'm one of them and I'm the same way. And if someone did yeah. that, I'd be writing in is like. How could you have made that mistake? Blah blah blah. Uh, so we've <laughs> this is this is one where it we've it, it needs such big input both from marketing and and from from wine, right? And it's we've we've kind of made the decision to push it into wine because of that specialized nature with kind of a dotted line, so to say, to to marketing and marketing as it kind of currently stands has I should say experience i should say our chief experience officer has growth marketing brand marketing uh and then technology and product so you know uh, that's a lot on that person's plate as well so that's that's where we've kind of that that's for the last five i don't know maybe six or seven years it's 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 sad um it's sad with wine yeah well that that actually makes a lot of sense and i think the sort of white glove nature of what you do and how important that is to continue that 
brand trust that you've established with your consumers makes a lot of sense. So I think that having a separation between the subject matter experts and the people who are good at marketing is is important. Um, and I think that having sort of an editorial team that sits on the wine team, so they are experts. And imagine you have you're basically creating your own like wine magazine to a certain extent. And so yeah. those people, the editorial, like think of a magazine. The, the editorial team are not marketers; they're content creators, right? So they think about the actual stories and articles that your your audience is going to to resonate with. And then you use the marketing team to make sure that those messages and pieces of content go out into the world. So it totally makes sense that um, you even have an even clearer line between who creates the content, that, that, that team sits under the wine team, and then who markets the content, and that team sits under marketing and growth. Let's, we can parse out the piece that technology and all that mm-hmm. are marketing too. Right. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Right. But in my mind, I would I would split that and kind of like church and state, right? So you don't have that like marketing spin or growth or or dilution of the of the purpose of that content out into like the marketing world. It's it's truly just sits, and again, this is very fundamental to your brand. It truly sits with the experts, and then you use the the marketers to be your sort of content proliferation team. Yep. The one, the one nuance I will have there, which I'd love like your take on is the wine team is selecting the wines and then coming up with the, the selling points for the wine, which are then fed to marketing or excuse me, then fed to the content team to write the offers. Mm -hmm. There could also be, and this is one where I'm thinking again, there could be, if it's under the wine, if it's under the wine team, then sometimes there is I feel like content could potentially be more likely to just not push back if they feel that if they feel that the selling points weren't quite there whereas a marketer could say hey like this isn't good enough to this this isn't in a place where I market or this isn't a place where I feel that I could effectively market this you know this this notion or this idea yes and, and that that's the one piece where mm-hmm. like it's like a, it's a second layer. It's almost like a second layer of church and state where I like, I, I, that's where I kind of wrestle. And I think that's probably why it's bounced around, um, in our company a, a couple of different times. Yeah. And, and I actually think this is, this is so interesting because I think every brand runs into this. So there's the people who are just like, compl- like can write pages and pages of content about a particular wine that they're just very, very enthusiastic about. And then the marketing team is like, where in the world am I going to find the person who's going to read six pages on this one wine? You know, like you might, it's, it, you need that marketer's touch to be able to synthesize what the expert in this case, like the the wine expert is going to write and make it, you know, snackable and, and formulate it into commercialized content. And I do think that that expertise should sit in the marketing component, but that it's not that they don't have any ability to make those edits or adjustments on 
the content piece from the subject matter expert, but they're the people who it then turns in, like they turn it into a commercialized piece when, you know, through, through their lens. Right. That's how I would look at that. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Cool. Well, this is, this is really fun. Um, I I feel like I can do this all day with you and I know we only have a few minutes left. (laughs) What's like, what's a burning, burning, you know, desire from, from a people, from an organizational standpoint, from a human aspect? Um, what do you, what do you want to make sure that we cover today if we haven't already done that? Yeah. The, the, the thing that, that I've been thinking about a ton is we're, we're, we're still a small company. Okay. It's 35 people. And the layer from, you know, kind of analyst or associate to management team, there isn't a ton. I mean, there might be a manager. There's typically like a manager. Maybe there's two two layers. Mm-hmm. And when when recu- recruiting people, when I was at when I was at PwC, big company, it's pretty easy because it's like, okay, you come in as associate, mm-hmm. you spend three years, you're going to be a senior. You spend another two to three years manager, and then another three to four years director. Like it's it's pretty spelled out for you, which I right. think with with younger employees is so, so important. And I think when it comes to, you know, kind of smaller organizations, it's, you want, you want titles to mean something. Like you don't want to just give a title of manager. You don't manage anyone. Like you manage yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I also think career progression is, is, is really important as well. So what we've been trying to kind of figure out is, you know, as we've moved from the turnaround where it was almost like that, that don't get me wrong. That's super important during a turnaround, but everyone's just like, okay, we're, we're, we're on the same goal. And at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel, we're going to, it's going to, it's going to be better. I think when we move into this now growth and, and trying to get bigger, I think those sort of questions tend to come up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely is one that I think about a ton and have been trying to kind of figure out like, how do we show the right career progression? We do invest in in people's wine, um, wine education, and and to a certain extent other other things as well. But I think that's that's the next piece of saying, okay, like at least after two or three years, you've developed this sort of skill set where you feel like you're way far, you know, further along in your career than you were, even if you know you went from even if you're 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 you went from you know analyst one to analyst two, and I actually right. don't even know what like an analyst two would even mean in that sense. Right. Um, so that's always been, and at Ghirardelli, same thing because it's a massive company. You're talking thousands of people. It, it's harder at that thirty person sort of level, and that's 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 where I've been. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of a lot of time thinking about. Yeah, and and that's that's a really good thing for you to think about, and I I think about that too. And what what I do when when I'm trying to help the people on my team to think about their careers is there's a, there's the depth in terms of, um, you know, subject matter expertise. And that's where I think the analyst one to manager director path sort of like lends itself best. And that is inherent to just big companies because there are so many things going on. And so you have the ability to really, really laser down into a specific component, right? I think with smaller organizations, you know, 100 employees or less, or even 200 employees or less, you have this unique opportunity for breadth of experience. Um, I, I don't think that this solves your title problem. So we can talk about that sure. another time. But I think that the opportunity for investing in people's 
growth and what you're uniquely able to offer in the size and type of company that you're at right now is breadth of experience. So giving that person an opportunity to shadow the wine team or shadow the operations team, or, you know, just asking them, what are some of the things that you're interested in that will expand out from the one specific element that you're currently managing? And I think that experience itself is so incredibly meaningful, not just for people's resumes and saying, oh, I owned this, but even just for their own exploration into what they want to do with their careers. There are so many people, um, at even noon where, where I am right now that maybe started in field marketing and then field marketing got blown up in 2020 and noon had the incredible opportunity to not fire those people and actually just incorporate them into the rest of the company. And so that person ended up, one of those people ended up on my team and she's now one of the most talented like retention marketers that I've ever had. And so and that's, you know, progressed in her career and she's been able to do so much with it. And so I think that's the unique opportunity that us smaller to medium sized businesses have to offer to, to, to retain talent, to attract talent and ultimately to help people in their career path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one thing we've done. We've done a decent job if someone wants to try in a different job, in a different department, but I do that. That's not always going to be possible, right? It's like a job has to be open. Right. Uh, but yep. the but the shadow, I think the shadow idea or whether you know, and you could make up something to call it, you know, why something or mentorship or something along those lines, I think yeah. could go go a really go a really long way. So I really I really like that idea a lot. Yeah. And and I think this is another component to as your company grows and as your priorities change. I think it's really important on both sides, the employer and the employee, to take a really honest look at whether what the company is doing is serving both parties. Because at the end of the day, if you have people who were from you know a certain period of the company who at that point were getting a lot of value out of the company, the company was getting a lot of value out of them, usually that's a really mutually beneficial partnership. As soon as that stops being mutually beneficial, it typically stops being mutually beneficial for both sides. And so I would not in a very um, fast or, or, you know, emotional way, but just in a thoughtful way, start prodding and start asking questions of those people of, you know, do, what, where do you think your place is here? Where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? And I think mm-hmm. some of those answers might be really clear and, and help you to enable those places that they're going and, and want to go or want to explore. And it also might enable them to say, Hey, you know, Maybe I maybe I spent my time here. Maybe I did what I, I needed to do, and now it's time for me to move on in my career too. So I think um, looking at it not just from an employer to an employee's perspective, but from both sides, and making sure that that employment status and role and contribution is mutually beneficial on both sides. Right, makes so much sense. Uh, no, I think you're dead on. Oh man, Joe, I can just talk to you forever. This is so much fun. I know. Well, we'll have to do it again. I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, and if nothing else, I know that uh, I know you'll we'll probably be pinging each other back and forth with plenty plenty of uh, 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 book recommendations. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, 
Yeah. Well, this was so much fun. Um, and I, I hope, I hope that this was helpful and I hope it was helpful to our audience. Um, everyone just, you know, let us know what you think. If you have questions, comments, um, join, join the conversation. And, and it was really just such a pleasure meeting you, Joe Fish. Thank you so yeah. much. Likewise. Thank you so much. I feel like I got a, a, a wonderfully amazing free, uh, uh, uh management consultant session. So so, so so, yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thanks.